This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good morning. Thank you, young people, for that beautiful music. Amen? That is music that glorifies God. And if you know anything about our ministry, you know that music is one of my little hot buttons. Before we begin, I'd like to have a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you on knees bowed and hearts bowed. And we ask, Father, that you would bless us now as we go through this testimony of how amazing you are. Lord, you said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And so this testimony is not about me, Father. It's about you. And we want to meet you at the foot of the cross this morning. So please, Lord, bless us with the Holy Spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen. No matter what you have gone through, no matter what you are going through, and no matter what you will go through, if you are the surrendered child of God, you will get through it. And that's good news this morning because I know a lot of us are going through trials and tribulations. Anybody here trial-laden? Wow, only 10 of you. Wow, really? If there's only 10 of us having trials, then we're probably not doing something right in our Christian walk. I told a brother last night, he said, how are you? I said, I'm blessed, but I'm trial-laden. And he said, then you must be doing something right. Because friends, when we come to Jesus, when we meet Jesus at the foot of the cross, the devil puts his crosshairs on you. And he hates you because you love God. And he hates you because God loves you. And that's the only reason that he hates you. And what he wants to do is to dive into to God's heart and he wants to, to tear it apart. And he does that every single time that we surrender to the devil and not Christ, the devil takes a little piece of God's heart, if you will, because he's taking each one of us. And today, I don't want to be that person. How about you? I want to be the man. Maybe you want to be the man or the woman that stands for God even though the heavens fall. That is what I want. You might say, but I'm going through stuff you don't understand, Christian. I'm going through some things that are so hard right now, I can't make it through this. With God on your side and you surrendered to Him, you can make it through. I stand here as living proof you can get through a lot of junk. And by the time I'm done with this testimony this morning, you're going to see that that's true. Without God, you're right. You can't make it through. With God, you will. Not maybe, not sort of, not, not maybe someday, but today, right now, with God, you can make it through. I don't know what it is you're going through, but God knows, and that's the one that really needs to know about it. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. If you have your swords with you, you may start wielding them now. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So in other words, there's nothing that you're going to go through that probably somebody else already hasn't. 
But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. In other words, God is so good at helping us through our problems. No matter what problem we have, he's going to help us through it. God is what? Faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation will also make a way to escape that you may be what? Say it loud. Able to bear it. So if God is saying you can bear it, if God is saying that you can get through this, then maybe you're the one that's wrong. Because God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it for Christian Berdahl. If we are the surrendered children of God. Notice there's a key phrase there. Not proclaiming just to be a child of God, but if we're truly coming to God and saying, not my will, but your will be done, if we're truly surrendered, then there's power in the Word of God for us. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, I hope you have. If you haven't, this will be a great weekend to get on your knees and ask the Lord to do for you what he's done for many of us in this room. He'll never allow us. So if we're surrendered and we've given our life to Christ, Christ will never allow, God will never allow anything to come to us that our measure of faith cannot handle. So maybe you have little faith right now. Well, God's not going to send out of balance huge trials that you can't handle. Maybe your faith has grown. You're going to get some bigger trials. In fact, friends, when you become a Christian, trust me, you're going to have trials and you're going to have issues. But don't fool yourself into thinking that the world doesn't have problems. I used to be in the world. I was not raised a Christian. And so I understand what it's like to be fully in the world and it wasn't trouble-free. I had just as many problems, but I had no helper. But now as a Christian, I have an ever-present help in Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. That is so amazing to me that God has given his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And while we're here on this planet, we're going to have trials. And it really becomes a, a choice to say, well, are we going to be big boys and big girls and just say, okay, we're going to have trials, stop whining and complaining about it, and let's go forward in spite of those trials. That was a great, perfect place for a hearty amen. I know you're not awake yet. Last night was a late night. In fact, a lot of people wanted to stay up until the stroke of midnight just to say, Happy New Year, and by the way, Happy New Year. In fact, I hope and pray that this is the most connected year of your life with Jesus Christ. Because if you're, if you're the most connected in 2015, then you're going to be the most successful for God. Most surrendered. The greatest servant than you've ever been. What an opportunity. It's just, we clean the slate. Maybe you've been a, a heathen and a mess this whole past year. Maybe the whole past decade. Well, today is a new day, and today we must choose whom we will serve. I want to live my life for Jesus. And I know that I can live a life to glorify Him because He's promised this. And this is only going to happen if we meet Jesus Christ at the cross. 
Are you daily meeting Christ at the cross? Or are you waiting and you're only meeting him, oh, every seventh day? It doesn't work, friends. I want to encourage you to be seven-day Adventists, not just seventh-day Adventists. Revelation 12, 11. Let's turn there together. Revelation 12, 11. Before we read that, I just want to declare to you because this is a testimony I'm supposed to give. And this testimony, my testimony is, I believe God can fix me. I believe God can save me. In fact, I believe God can fix this universe. What do you think? I believe God can fix this planet. What do you think? I believe He can fix this church. He can fix His people. He can fix this guy. And He can fix you. Revelation 12, 11. And they, who's that referring to? The church. And they, us, young people and old people. And they overcame Him. Who's that? The devil. That's right. And the church overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb. Who's that referring to? Jesus Christ. And we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their what? Testimony. Well, I don't have a testimony, Christian. Yes, you do, because the overcomers have a testimony. At the end of time, every single one of us are going to have a testimony. Yeah, but mine's not crazy like yours, and we'll get into the craziness of mine in just a minute. I, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised, I, I married a Christian man. We have Christian children and we love the Lord. have never left the faith. Praise God. That's the best testimony ever. You don't have to go and become a, a scoundrel and a drunk and doing drugs so you have a testimony. Jesus brought me out of it. <laughs> I had a young man come up to me and say, maybe I should go in the world a while so I have a better testimony. Oh! <laughs> have mercy is right. I said, uh, let's back up. What did, you, did you just say what I thought you said? I said, do you realize how scary that is? I said, brother, you're not guaranteed you're coming back. Why? Because you're making the choice. You're in the driver's seat now, and you may, just may stay off the interstate that leads to heaven. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Man, that is a committed people. Is that you this morning? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. <laughs> Over the years, I have been privileged to go literally around the world now and to sing and to preach. But the thing that I love most is to actually give my testimony. And as Mark mentioned, we are now going to release a, a three-hour version. We're trying to edit it down more of my testimony with full-on interviews with my brothers and my, my father and my mother. It's, it's going to be, it's already, I sit there and I'm editing it and I'm just like bawling because obviously it hits me the most. But I love to give my testimony because friends, this is how, part of how we overcome. In other words, you have, when you testify, you don't just testify to a mirror, you have to testify to people. And so if we're testifying, we're witnessing, therefore we're laboring for God, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, their connection to Christ, right? And they, they, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. In other words, we're going to go out, and we're going to share the message of Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives, no matter what happens to us. 
even if we die. The worst thing that somebody can do to us is kill us. That's all. In fact, I think my time just jumped down to only 28 minutes. I better hurry up. I was not always raised in a Christian home. My mother was 16 years old when she got pregnant with me. My father was 18 years old. What my mother didn't know was that my father had started using prescription drugs, stealing it from medicine cabinets when he was only 12 years old. And he was a full-on daily drinker by the time he was a sophomore in high school. And so they two meet up, and nine months later, here I am. My mother finds out she's pregnant. One week later, they got married. 16, 18, living on their own, married one week later. Even my conception was a stressful situation. I did not come into the world with everybody going, yay. I came into the world with everyone going, oh no, what are these young kids going to do with this baby? Unfortunately, that stress would be continued in our lives for many years. My, brother, my two brothers were born, Aaron and Brandon, and my father David was not around to do uh, the things he needed to do. He wasn't taking care of us. He wasn't uh, paying the bills. And when you're a drunk, serious drunk, and you are deep in drugs, you don't really think you better get up early and go to work. And so by the time I was seven years old, we had moved 13 times from house to house, even across the country and back. Because when you don't pay the rent, they kick you out. My mother finally got tired of all of this. And when I was seven years old, she said, you know what, I, I can't handle this anymore. I can't handle you not coming home. You're not paying the bills. You're not taking care of the family. And on coming home one night from a party, he was drunk and swerving all over the road. And my mother's saying, pull over, pull over. We're all in the car with him. And he will not pull over because he's just blitzed. And finally, they get home. We all get home safely. And she says, it's over. I'm divorcing you. So at seven years old, and my brothers were uh, four and two, we left. My mother had to start her life over. She had to get a job, and she had to start working in the world. And so she put us in daycare. And a very traumatic event happened. After my dad had left, they, they told us one day, we're leaving. And so they told us that they're divorcing. And one of my earliest memories with my dad was in the foyer of my aunt's house. And I was standing there and I was holding his ankles. And he literally had to peel me off of his ankles as he walked out of our life. And he'd be in and out kind of for a while and eventually just disappear totally for 20-something years. My mother gets a new job, she puts us in daycare, and at daycare, one of the most traumatic events happened in my life. The babysitter's oldest son was molesting about six of us little boys each day as we went down for nap time. And that went on for some time. And I remember this being one of the biggest secrets that I kept, probably the first big secret that I kept. And I didn't tell anybody. In fact, I didn't even tell my mother until I was an adult. I wish I would have told somebody. I wish I would have told, even, even if I was in my teens, it would have been healthy for me to tell somebody and to talk it out. And if somebody has done something to you sexually or inappropriately, friends, you need to go and talk to somebody. You, and you know what? We're not going to keep this secret anymore in our homes and in the church and in, in the conferences. If we're having issues, we need to talk it out. Because if we don't, it's going to ruin you. I, trust me. 
I was messed up for a lot of years. It's never okay for someone to make a sexual advance on you until you are married and it's that marriage night. Amen. Amen. And so my mother didn't know this. I tell her when I was an adult, and frankly, she just starts breaking down and starts crying. I wish I would have said something because, friends, I don't know how many other children that happened to. And I, I, I live with that. It's not just for us to save and help us. It could be to protect someone else. It's a good thing to talk, but talk to somebody you trust. Talk to somebody that has some tools that can help you. My mother got remarried. About a year later, she got remarried, and unfortunately, this man turned out to be our worst nightmare. This man, he was from the day one, he was very heavy-handed, he was an authoritarian, he took over the discipline, and he was very heavy-handed. And, and unfortunately, this, this heavy-handedness turned into outright criminal abuse. And he was abusing all of us, all three of us, boys and my mother, mentally, emotionally, physically. And these games that he would play were just horrific. And he, would, he just twisted our little minds. And I was referred to as a cuss word. And my brothers had another cuss word that was their names. And we were just these horrible little creatures in his eyes. And, and this went on and on and on for 10 years until I was a sophomore in high school. I've been whipped. I've been beaten. I've been tied up. I was hit so hard in the head after a long day of stacking firewood and cutting firewood. I got hit in the head so hard by him, I had a grand mal seizure and wound up in the hospital. So we're not just talking, oh, bad boy. We're talking the real deal. And I started this message by saying, no matter what you're going through, you can get through it. By the way, the message is entitled, From Broken to Breakthrough. Because the breakthrough's coming. Amen. So unfortunately, we boys became very violent. I, I was terrible to my brothers. I, I would just beat them up, and they would try to beat me back, but I was the bigger brother, and then they grew up and passed me, and they became like freight trains, and I'm like, hey, never mind. But uh, <laughs> the reality was my... <laughs> uh, I, I still had the mental edge, though, right? So they said they, they stood in line. I say basically because they're big. What happened to you, Chris? I said, well, I stood in line twice for brains, and you guys stood in line twice for muscles, I guess. And so... What happens is my mom remarries this guy. He's very abusive. We go through this for 10 years. And I got to the point to where I started fantasizing about killing myself. I did attempt to take my life one time. I have a scar to, to, to reveal that. My brother wrested the knife out of my hand. It was just a mess. We were violent kids living in a violent home. And we were lying to everybody, acting like everything was okay. It was a huge facade. Another secret we have to keep. Act like everything's okay when it's an absolute mess. My mom was being beaten over and over and over again. She'd have to wear certain kinds of clothes just to cover the bruising on her body. He never hit my body unless it was whipping me or switching me or with a belt or whatever, but he would hit our heads and he would grab our hair and just shake us violently like this, like little rag dolls. And there are many times, not, I don't know how many, but many times I would wake up laying there in the hall and go, what just happened? Because I'd, I'd be blacked out. And so, I don't want to glorify the devil anymore. I just want to tell you, we had a bad situation. My mother finally put a plan together. I don't know how she woke up, but I went to Child Protective Services at my high school. And before you know it, 
I, I've got a plan. And I sit down with my mom and I sit down with my dad and I say, I've been talking to some people at school and the beatings are going to stop. You're not going to touch one more hair on our head. And it's not like I stood up there and went, listen, man. I was just like, you know, telling him this. My, my knees smote one to the other, you know, and I was just sitting there going, Lord, Lord. I didn't cry out to God. I wish I would have, but nobody ever talked to me about Jesus Christ. I had never knew anything about it. In America, to not know anything about Jesus, that almost astounds me. But I'm one of those guys. And now I'm here today? That's amazing. So basically what happens is that we leave. My mom makes a plan of escape and we get out of there. We had a police standby. We got all the guns and ammunition out of the house because this guy was a little hoo-hoo and we didn't want anything tragic to happen. And so we escaped. Praise God we got out of that. We escaped and we moved to a new little town called Lodi, California. And as I'm there, I just reinvent myself. I say, you know what, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to uh, deal with this and let this define me. I didn't say all those words, but for some reason I just went forward and I didn't care about all the abuse. I didn't care about the molestations. And I say molestations because when my dad, when I was 10 years old, for my 10-year-old birthday, I had my first beer with him. And he had rent, rented some pornographic movies that night and we little, three little boys sat there and watched pornographic movies. Why? Because the guy was out of his mind, drunk and on drugs, and that night, he molested me and my middle brother. Friends, tribulations, I get it. Jesus Christ, praise God for him, and he can get us through anything. And so, as I go forward to this new high school, I, I get involved in theater arts. I just wanted to recreate myself. And so I got involved in theater arts. I got a, a lead role in my first play. It was singing, dancing, and acting. And, and the creativity just, just like burst out of me from being so oppressed as kids. I didn't even know what to do with the freedom totally. We were so controlled by this man. But now, all of a sudden, I'm free. And I just, I didn't tell anybody about my past. I, we just left because my mom got a divorce. That's all I ever told anybody. My brothers decided to go down the path of their father, drugs and alcohol, both of them. My youngest brother, Brandon, starts drinking and doing drugs when he's 12 years old. My middle brother, 14 when they started, when he started. Eventually, their lives would spin out of control. My bio dad was in and out of our lives as he dove deeper into his addiction. Uh, and unfortunately, he would have those blackout kind of weekends, and that was one of the weekends where he did what he did to us. So I began doing crazy things to try to basically just kind of hurt myself. Um, at certain points, I would go forward with this new kind of guy, but other times I, w I was just still like this trapped kind of guy. And something was going on in my mind, I didn't understand it. Something was going on in my emotions, but I didn't understand it. But I just kind of put it away, tucked it away, pushed it down, said, Hi, I'm Chris Berdahl. Really, on the inside, I was a mess. Somehow, some way, I was able to navigate through my high school years, and unfortunately, my brothers didn't navigate very well. By the time my brother was in his, my youngest brother was in his sophomore year, he was already now in drug rehab. My parents paying for him to get in there. My mom, I say parents, because my mom remarried to the third guy, but he was a gym, and he is a gym, and they've been married now for over 20 years, praise God. Third time's a charm, we say. <laughs> Eventually, I get, uh, involved deeper and deeper into theater, and I go through high school, win awards at theater arts competitions, and earning these lead roles, and i enjoying what's going on, and then finally, uh, I graduate high school, 
and I go off to junior college, and there I started studying communications. My, my dream was to go into TV production. And so eventually, uh, as I dropped off the theater, I did get into vaudeville theater, which was kind of fun, and then I also got into a professional theater for a while. And uh, I was going to school, doing theater, and had a full-time job during the same time. I don't even know when I slept. I think back and I go, how is that possible? I'm 45 now, and go, I could never do that. But I was able to do it when I was 20. So eventually I dropped off uh, the theater, and I dove deeper into production. And I started a company with two other friends, and uh, we, we built three different companies, three different businesses, and we were wildly successful. It was going great. And at 24 years old, I eventually discovered that one of my business partners, because the other one had left, one of my business partners had embezzled our companies into the ground. So at 24 years old, I lose everything. Everything, everything I had worked so hard for. Lost my businesses. We had 32 employees. I was making money, not like millions of dollars, but I was on my way, and I lost it all. And then God gets a hold of my heart. God starts to get a hold of, I, I got to really advance this. I got 15 minutes left. Lord have mercy. So, and I think I'm on page two of 20 or something like that. The, this is why you'll, if, if you want, go on our website in March and you'll be able to watch the testimony or you can pick up your own and watch it in your home. So anyway, what happens is I lose everything. I get deeper. I have six-figure bankruptcy and my, my, now my credit's ruined. I'm failing. All the programming of how I'd be a failure and how I was a loser, all that came back alive in my mind and I had all these emotional things going on. It was just a mess. Yet... I decided, let's get back into TV production. Because I, by this time, I had already worked in production, and I was continuing to grow my skills. As a, I started off as a tape operator, went to a cameraman, then to a director, and then a producer and writer. And I was only 24 years old, and I was loving it. So I decided, you know what? I'm not going to let that hold me down. I'm going forward. And so I just went forward just out of sheer tenacity. Even though I had a rough, terrible childhood, it did strengthen me. It did give me a thicker skin. And I was like, I'm just going to go forward. So I went forward, and uh, I was trying to rebuild my life. And I get a phone call from um, a producer. He said, Christian, I've got a job. It's four days long, and I would like to see if you want to take this. You'll be a director. We'll give you some camera people. Uh, here's what it pays. Do you want the job? I said, sure. And he said, I said, what is it? He said, it's a camp meeting. I said, what's a camp meeting? He goes, I don't know, a meeting about camping. I said, great. I grew up camping. Awesome. So uh, I took the job. And I find myself going to great festival grounds in Lodi, California, looking for this guy named Danny Vieira. And Danny was running this camp meeting. And as I show up, there's motorhomes, you know, camping, right? There's tents, camping. Ladies in, in dresses with hiking boots, kind of weird, but camping, right? <laughs> By the way, that's a major fashion violation. <laughs> the Lord has to reel me in. Reel me in, Lord. Come back, Christian, come back. So, I'm looking for this guy named Danny, and uh, he tells me, it's, I go, so we're here for, you know, uh, your camp meeting, and where can we set up? And we're talking about cameras and maybe camera angles, and, and I said, do you need like a handheld cam camcorder, you know, uh, and stuff like that for your remote demonstrations or something? And he says, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? I'm thinking like they're going to, you know, demo high-altitude cook stoves or something, you know, and he's like, can't wait. Oh, no, 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 no. These are religious meetings that people camp at. Oh. My production career is this low now? 
And so I'm sitting there for four days, and, and there's all these different preachers, someone talking about America and prophecy and Jesus Christ, and, all this, and I'm just like, and, and I literally started to see Jesus through the eye of the camera. And I see Danny up there, and I don't have enough time to get into all this, but he's a, this buffed guy, and he's tan, he's got a beautiful family, and he's talking about Daniel and Daniel's diet. And he said, give me pulse, Daniel ate pulse. And I'm like, pulse? That's creepy. <laughs> I'm like, there's vampires in the Bible? What? I don't understand. And, and he's like, no, and I finally figure out he's talking about food. So anyway, my brain was just bent. Less than 12 minutes. Danny and I begin a little bit of a friendship. Eventually, I meet this young lady named Kobe. Uh, Kobe is whom I'm married to today, which is really exciting. Uh, my face always lights up when I say her name or think about her. So if I'm ever sad, I just think of Kobe. <laughs> so anyway, I wind up uh, moving to Santa Barbara to go to film school. And so I got involved with high-end production there, working for Nickelodeon, PBS, and ESPN, professional sports, and all kinds of things, commercial production. And my, my resume just started growing. And I decided not to go to film school because we had to move away eventually from there because I got Kobe pregnant, starting to follow a little bit in my mom's footsteps. And unfortunately, we lost the baby at five months. And that was very traumatic for my dear wife. And we, we moved to be closer to her family in Arizona, and I could not find a job in production. Long story short, I find myself going back out to California, and I had an overwhelming desire to go see my friend, Danny Vieira. And he's the guy running the camp meeting, right? Well, he runs a ministry. And so we're sitting there one day, and I'm like, hey, man. He's like, hey, what are you doing? And he always hugged me and gave me a kiss on the cheek. And I was like, oh, you know, but okay. <clears throat> so uh, I, I don't mind it now, but, you know, because I get it, right? The Bible talks about greeting one another with a, with a holy kiss, right? So anyway, uh, three days later, after we're talking, I can't tell you the whole story, but we, we wind up coming to an agreement for me to work at his ministry, a heathen guy working for a Seventh-day Adventist ministry because I could do some production and I can do some office work and I could do some design and that type of thing. He's like, I could really use a guy like you. And I was just fed up in my life. Everything was not going right. And finally, I go to work for God. That God works miracles. Kobe and I have been separated for about six months now. She's still in Arizona. God puts us back together, and I got to eventually lead. I came to Christ. Danny led me to Christ through the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. He baptized me. The crazy pulse guy is the one that baptizes me. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. I love you, brother. <clears throat> and so, eventually, Kobe and I are now on the phone talking. I'm witnessing to her. I fell in love with the Bible, the spirit of prophecy. Steps to Christ and Desire of Ages radically changed my life. And so I started witnessing to her, and before you know it, he brings, God brings her back into my life, and we, she accepts the truth. We study it out. She gives her heart to Jesus. I got to lead the woman that would become my wife to Jesus Christ. That's amazing. And God started performing surgery on my heart. And he had changed so much of my thinking. It started to help me with all these emotions and all this emotional baggage. And it started kind of coming off of my shoulders. And I just became more free. I was freed geographically before when we moved. But now I was starting to become freed spiritually and freed emotionally. And Kobe saw a difference. And she wanted what I had a hold of. And I said, it's Jesus. 
I have a hold of Jesus. Not like you've heard, but, but he's real and he's tangible and he really helps. And she's like, this is awesome. I want it too. Before you know it, we're married. Guess who married us? The crazy guy. So the joke is, he led me to Christ. He baptized me. He married me. We hope he doesn't bury me. <laughs> but I needed a miracle, friends. I needed huge miracles. My brothers were spinning off into drugs and alcohol deeper than ever before. My biological father is nowhere to be found. I mean, I knew where he was, but he had nothing to do in my life, and he was just gone. I needed a new heart, and I found Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Not maybe. You, when you go to God, you don't have to go, okay, please give me a new heart. No. He's like, done. I will give you a new heart now, and I will mold and shape you for the rest of your life. Well, thank you, Lord. May I have another. Psalm 91.4 and he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings, wings shalt thou trust, and his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. When, Psalm 27, 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, and they had, the Lord will take me up. It's amazing. I finally discover I have a father in heaven who doesn't want to molest me, who doesn't want to beat me, but has every awesome possibility in store for me. Amazing. So I had gone through certain things that I, I bondage-wise, that I, it took a while to, to overcome. Other things really fell off pretty quickly in some wrong thinking. But the thing that was hardest for me was the forgiveness. Truly forgive. People would always come up to me and say, if, if you're really going to be a son of Jesus and a child of Jesus, you have to forgive everybody. You have to forgive them completely. And I didn't understand what that meant for a long time. So eventually I did sit down with my mom because I had a lot of resentment build up that she kept us in that horrible situation for almost 10 years. And we sat down and we had our cry and we had it out. And, and you know what? I'm very close with my mom, closer than I've ever been. And we have a beautiful relationship. Amen. Amen. But, and then I also forgave her and I also forgave my evil stepfather, the one that was beating us and tearing us down for that decade. And I, I forgave him. God finally brought me to it. Now that one took longer. God brought me to a place to where I honestly forgive that man because God gave us something very special and he wants to give it to you too, a different perspective of things. He wants you to see them through his holy eyes. They're fallen children making bad decisions and it's impacting other people. That was my life. It doesn't excuse what happened. Don't misunderstand me, but it does explain it. Do you understand? It doesn't excuse it, but it explains it. And... God gave me forgiveness for my biological father. That was actually the hardest one for me. Because after he got clean and sober, which he's been clean and sober now for 20 years, he's still not in my life for that 20 years. What's wrong here? Now you're sober, right thinking, but now the guilt of all of his decisions, the guilt of everything that he had done is, is controlling him, and he's oppressed by this. And so he's out of my life for a long time. Eventually, I do forgive him completely in my heart, and I just say, Lord, I give him to you. My brothers start to come to the Lord. Brandon finds sobriety eight years ago. 
He's now married. He's now a Christian, and he's given his heart to Jesus Christ. And now he goes back into the prisons because both my brothers got involved in drug manufacturing, drug trafficking, and prison. So my brother Brandon now goes back into the prison witnessing to those whom he was once like. My brother Aaron, drug trafficking, prison, three different prison terms. He winds up finding Jesus one day. And by the way, come by our booth, 707, and we have a little seven-minute loop and you can see the interviews of my mom and with my brothers and just come and watch it. We're having a con constant loop all weekend. It's, it's so powerful what God has done, not only in my life, not only in my wife's life, in my children's life, but also in my brother's life, in my mother's life. God is like good with healing and fixing everybody, by the way. So now my brother... Uh, you'll see it. He's wearing a black hat that says S-O-T-C, Soldiers of the Cross. He rides his Harley Davidson. They go in and they witness to inner city kids about drugs and all this kind of stuff. It's so awesome how God will use any one of us. Do you want to be used by God? Then simply surrender and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. My mother continues to grow and she suffers for many years with my brothers. But she starts working with Salvation Army in a battered woman's shelter. You see, all of these things in our lives, yes, they were horrible, but with God, they can all be used for good. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God does. And don't let the devil have you another moment. So, I worked with Danny for two and a half years there. Learned the health message, loved it, embraced it, learned the Seventh-day Adventist message. From there, we went to another ministry and did TV broadcasting and uh, evangelistic broadcasting for many years there. And then God calls us out to start our own ministry. Don't have time to get into all of that, but God calls us to a ministry of, of singing, of preaching, and of doing media production. There's three things that I probably love most in this world. And God goes, we'll give you a ministry just like that. What is it that you love to do? If it's something God can work with, He will if you surrender it to Him. And so eventually, God works miracles in my father's life, my biological father's life. And as we were getting ready to go out to California in the summer to go videotape and interview all of my family members, I get a phone call and my, uh, uh, my father-in-law works in the ministry with, with us and he says, uh, Christian, there's somebody on the phone. He says he knows you. I can't remember what his, I don't know what he said his name is. Sorry, but he wants to talk to you. He said it's very important. So I pick it up and he goes, hi, Christian. It's dad. And I, my heart skipped a beat, friends. And I went, hello? I said, why are you calling? He says, because I'm ready. You're ready. Because every time I would go to him over and over and over again and say, friends, listen to me. I would go to him over and over and over again. And he would say, I'm not ready. And now he says, I'm ready. And we start talking. And then I fly him out to meet us because this man is a converted man and found Jesus Christ himself. And now he wants a relationship with us three boys. And so I fly him out to California and I interview him. I haven't seen him in almost 20 years. And we're sitting here talking face to face and I'm interviewing him. You can see it. He's, sit, he's crying on the video. It's just God is amazing at fixing people. My whole family's being fixed. 
And if God can do this for my family, friends, He can do it for you. I am living proof. I am living proof that God is alive and well. None of this would have been possible if I had not met Jesus at the cross. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. From broken to breakthrough, this is my testimony. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at the cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.